Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Perfect. All right. Well, we. I'm going to use the slide out just to start running through topics. If I do skip over yours, um, I might archive it just because it either fits in our leadership forum on Thursday and I'll try and add it there, or I might try and go add it to the community because we've already talked about it on um, this setting. So, um, you know, I don't know. Yell at me, do something if you feel like I missed your question and I'll try and get to it. Uh, but Bertle, looks like you've got the first one up on the board. And this is actually from last week and it just keeps getting upvoted. So uh, how do you identify tangible ways to measure customer outcomes? Um, so Bertle, I don't know if you, I think I saw you on here. Um, if you want to come off of mute maybe and give some context as to how you're thinking about this question, kind of why you posed it. Um, and maybe give us some more. It looks like you're on mute still. Uh, there you go. Yeah, cool. I'm back. I'm back. So no, that was a, com- a good conversation we had actually with our, our group chat, Andrew. And it's something that I came up with earlier this morning that I wanted to share is essentially uh, the way I see things is you essentially have three layers of um, goals when it comes to a specific client. You need to focus on where the company wants to be in the next year to five years. If they want to be acquired, do that. They're looking for an IPO, merging, and so on. Then you move to the team, um, specifically product, marketing, sales, and identify specific goals related and quantifiable goals related to the corporate objective, which is the um, executive level. And then you go down to the individual who is the seat holder. And it's, this is a, a challenging exercise. And I guess the question I have is, it's, it's more opening up the conversation to the group and said, how are you handling that? How are you keeping track of what is top of mind? Because the way we do it, I do it, is I'm prioritizing content based on the uh, overall objective of the company. Um, Jeff is the seat holder, he's part of a team, he's part of this corporate objective over pictures. And it's a way to bounce for me whenever Jeff will say, this is what I need to achieve. And the question I will have is, how does it impact the overall goals of the company to hit 300 million revenue in the next three years to be acquired? How that's going to impact this corporate objective? And that's a way for me to identify how important it is and relevant individual versus the team versus the overall company. But I would love to have the, the group, the, our community just sharing their feedback and insight on that. Awesome, uh, that's helpful. And I will, uh, I'll try and maybe outline it in, a, in another way too in a minute. Um, just a reminder, we try and run these in an orderly fashion. So if you open up your participant window, bottom right hand corner, it should be a raise hand feature. Sorry, I've said this like a million times over the 26 weeks we've been doing this, but I feel like I have to say it every time. Um, Uh, raise hand feature. So if you do have thoughts that you want to drop in, just raise your hand um, and I'll go ahead and and make sure and call on you. So I think as you think about Bertel's question, there's a couple of angles that um, I think I took from your your response there, Bertel, which is um, how are you looking at helping the individual? So your day-to-day contact or whoever's your champion, how are you helping them achieve something that they want to achieve? Um, How are you making sure that ladders up into their corporate objectives? And then how does that corporate objective actually impact the overall business um, and where that's going, right? There's kind of three layers. So how are you maybe identifying those, how are you tracking them? Um, how are you ultimately making sure you're holding yourself accountable to them or your company that you're helping to achieve those? So um, any thoughts on how people are achieving that today? And if there's no hand raisers, then I just start going around the room and calling on random people. Um, and so you better be prepared. You don't want that homeroom style. Um, so if there's no hand raisers, I'm gonna start looking at a few folks and seeing how, cool, Michael, we're gonna kick off with you and uh, see what you've got in, ter- in terms of some of your thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much buzz around outcomes, right? You just see everything in the community around outcomes, and when you, when you think about it at a stakeholder perspective, really understanding your audience and who your personas are, I think that can help you uh, better understand how to move them forward from a professional standpoint. You know, what are they hoping to get out of the relationship? And there there takes a level of trust. You know, you need to build trust with those people before you can really uncover that. I mean, there's 
plenty of information. Like for me, I, I work with in-house attorneys. So yeah, I've done plenty of research to better understand, you know, what are in-house attorneys? What do they actually want to be doing in their job and how can we potentially advance them? But to ask them that straightforward, you know, you might not get the best answer. So I think it, it takes time to build trust with those people and really uncover their, their motivations. And uh, at an organizational level, it's important that your company, you know, gives you that that information to be able to go out there and talk to customers to say, you know, what are, what are our customers, what are they really trying to achieve with our product? And, and I think the kickoff is a good opportunity to understand the why, you know, why did you invest in us and just wrap your head around what, what they're hoping to get out of the relationship. And I think you'll, you'll understand at a company objective level, you know, what their prior priorities initiatives are. And it's important to ask them, you know, how do, how does that tie into, you know, I read your, your uh, investor deck and I understand your company's trying to achieve X, Y, Z in the next six months. How does that play into your investment with our company? What is it, you know, what would it mean for us if we're able to help you move you guys forward with those things? So I think you need to approach it at, from different angles. And I think the most important thing is your company should be thinking about this is, is what outcomes are we driving for our customers? It shouldn't be up to you as a, as a customer success manager to figure those things out. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, a great point, Michael. I was thinking about maybe the same thing that, you know, there has to be some level that you're you're gathering this information from the sales cycle, from the onboarding or implementation phase. Um, you know, we, we've essentially sold them something for a reason. And so how are we capturing that as our starting point? And then that's what we use to essentially try and dive in further, um, I think is maybe the approach that you were, you were looking at there too, Michael, which is, um, you know, that corporate objective hopefully is set at that level. And then as it goes forward, like we should be getting the layers deeper. Um, and trying to align and make sure that those things, if they don't align, I think that's also another area for a conversation, you know, and an engagement point that you can set up um, and do that going forward. So uh, I think that's a good one. Uh, Jay, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? I think you're, oh, there you go. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. So um, I think uh, it's a, you know, when we talk about measuring the outcomes that uh, a customer is looking for, one of the things that we used to do um, while I was with uh, uh, this company called Skillsoft, uh, we used to actually uh, look at what the customer is looking for, like what uh, uh, just now uh, Michael was uh, mentioning about, you know, what, what is that outcome that uh, they are looking for? Uh, for example, all the companies that we know, I mean, any, any company uh, that we start off, their main business outcome would be what I mean to gain, uh, you know, the profit, right? I mean, that's, that's essentially what they will, they'll be looking at. Now, how do we, how does a specific leading indicator actually, uh, you know, look at, uh, you know, what, what are those indicators that would essentially achieve those, those kind of profits of uh, essentially those areas? For example, uh, Skillsoft uh, is, is an e-learning company, right? So uh, we used to look at, uh, uh, you know, developmental areas for uh, uh, individuals, for example, uh, improving the productivity. Uh, improving, uh, you know, uh, they are or reducing the, uh, you know, uh, life cycle, <clears throat> decrease in risk. As these these were the indicators that would essentially, you know, uh, go and 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 fetch that uh, essential outcome at the later stage. Now, uh, connecting those those leading indicators to those outcomes would be rather difficult. But having said that, to to enable them to reach that uh, would be the 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 critical aspect. Uh, so that's what I think uh, we should be doing. I, essentially, you know. Um, it, Unless, uh, unless you are you are impacting, let's say, a sales-related uh, number per se. I mean, something that is extremely tangible. Uh, you know, it's going to be very difficult to to actually sort of pinpoint the outcome. So it's always better to actually look at the leading indicators to to essentially look at those outcomes. That's that's I, uh, what I feel. I, I can I can go on and on with this uh, because I've worked on this for a really long time to actually, and I've done a lot of work in the uh, value space there. 
so we can we can essentially discuss this for hours together and still not get <laughs> to the things that you would actually yeah. uh, want. Uh, but essentially, what I feel is look at those indicators that would essentially match uh, or or help you reach that outcome. I, I think that would uh, that would be the right way because that would be tangible, um, you know. And uh, the way we used to do is actually um, uh, use. Uh, uh, a, a tool or, or a methodology called impact analysis, uh, where we used to actually send out survey uh, to the end users, essentially not the not the person who's buying, but the end users, and then look at you know what kind of skill gain was the pro, uh, you know what kind of skill gain they they received, what how did they impact, how did the uh, courses that we uh, were given to them, e-learning courses that were given to them, impacted their job and so on and so forth, and then we we would actually uh, uh, sort of. Uh, uh, put the number to it and then you know have percentage to it and then convert it into uh, a, a value-based metric and that's what we used to uh, essentially do yeah um, i think that's uh, a good point there jay too just about how there's other ways maybe to get to some of this information you know potentially through surveys potentially trying to find uh, you know if you can't it, sometimes if you can't get to an executive stakeholder um, trying to find alternate alternate routes to get there uh, to try and get their buy-in, I think is a, another thing to, to be considering. Um, and I love the point you made too about just trying to figure out some sort of methodology or way that we can start doing this across all of our customers, right? So we can adapt um, similar things. So I appreciate that. I'm gonna, I'm trying to look for a framework right now in our Google Slides that I can share as well. But um, while I do that, Jordan Denton, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, so I'll just go short and sweet. Something we do in a lot of ours is high touch. Um, so this may not be applicable for everybody, but in that orientation call, when they're going from sales to customer success, we set the timeline and goal setting for them. So here's our software. What problems are you trying to solve? Where in the application is that going to be solved? What are your goals? What are your timelines around reaching those? We then set tasks to check back with them. You said you wanted to do X within three months. Have you been able to accomplish this? Where are you at with it? Where are your struggles with it? But we also share this document then with our customers so they can add to it and kind of plan out their implementation, but then it also holds them accountable because they're setting the deadlines, but then it's us checking in on them at those deadline times. Yeah, I think uh, that's a, a good point, right? Just getting, I think at some points there's like a literal way that you can do that um, and make it apply and trying to hold, hold yourself accountable, hold your company um, to those points. Uh, Danny, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? So um, I think getting the executive stakeholder buy-in is great. Um, what I found, at least with the product I support, is that oftentimes the people who are using it day-to-day uh, -day, uh, may or may not have been involved in the buying decision, may also have not uh, been involved. You know, the, the corporate level goals are not necessarily trickled down really to them. So I think one of the key things is, and, and serve up a couple of framework questions. You know, what are the efficiencies you're trying to gain this year? What are the improvements to get the, the people you actually work with who are using it day to day to, to kind of ferret out from them what are goals that are really going to impact them directly? Um, typically, they'll kind of roll back up or they may roll back up to the higher what is the corporate goal. But I think if you can almost start at ground zero with that new group of people who are actually using the tool and and kind of ferret those out, like I said, and even kind of feed them a couple to start with. Like, how are we going to improve your your agent, your user experience? How are we going to improve your efficiencies? Then you can at least start to direct them to, to some manageable goals. Awesome. Uh, let's hit on Stuart and then Kevin, and then we'll hop on to the next question. Stuart, you want to go ahead and come off mute? What are some of your thoughts here? Sure. So, I mean, uh, sorry, what, uh, what, what, was just, what was just said before kind of encapsulated what, uh, what I was thinking. 
that you go to team leaders, especially when you're trying to drive adoption in an organization, you dangle the carrot of their KPIs, find out um, what you can do with the tool, whatever tool you're trying to drive, you know, how can we increase your efficiencies? And those team leaders will get those, their, their team to use the tool if they believe that it can increase their KPIs. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like half, um, half coercion, half convincing, right? Convince the team leaders, they will coerce their people to go along. And then once you have that improved their, their improved KPI, you kind of dangle that uh, that carrot of competition with other teams because they don't want to, the other teams don't want to be left out, and certainly other major stakeholders. But but everything that was said before, I should have lowered my hand once they already uh, had uh, had gone over the points I wanted to make. No worries, Kevin. Let's hit on you, and then we'll uh, hop on to the next question. Absolutely. Uh, so one thing uh, that I, I want to kind of press on, on uh, my fellow CSMs to also remember too is that a lot of times that when we uh, talk about these metrics, uh, people are using a year over year um, comparison. And with uh, the current times that we have, well, with this pandemic, and then also the po a looming possibility of a uh, recession as well, these are things that you need to start thinking about as well on how you're going to be able to compare how um, well a customer is doing compared to the um, to the rest of the market. Uh, so for companies that usually use a year over year growth, back when I was over at Duetto, we tried not to use that because uh, we were a hospitality based uh, company that is really hurt bad uh, by uh, market changes like that. Uh, but what we did use is to show them uh, kind of a stack ranking of how they would um, how the how other customers that are not using us um, stack up in their uh, local markets uh, through a, a market research company um, and show them, hey, if things are bad in the market right now, it could be a lot worse than it actually uh, could have been if you weren't using us to begin with. Um, and these are our companies that are doing well in this down market. These are the companies that are not doing well that don't belong to us. Uh, so as we start to see how business changes with this pandemic and if we do end up in a recession, these are questions that you have to start thinking about now uh, before it's too late. Yeah, I like having, I like trying to think about that ahead of time too, right? How can we get some of these answers baked out um, so that it becomes, you know, that something that we can all get behind in terms of answers that we can prepare for um, and start using that. So uh, appreciate all the thoughts there. I'm trying to, while you guys were talking, I'm trying to actively find, uh, and I'll, I'll try and send it out if I can find it. Um, it's been hard right now, but there's uh, essentially an order of magnitude that uh, you can look at. It's uh, order of benefits. There's essentially four orders, uh, direct benefit, indirect, and then it moves into two more. And so I'll try and find that. It could be uh, beneficial brittle, but it basically the, the direct benefit, right, is when you can actually draw a direct correlation between uh, your tool or your service and something that you're actually impacting like revenue or profit. There's a, Then it starts to become indirect. And then there's two tertiary ones that kind of sit below that as well. Um, and that's a good way to try and think about where does your product sit? What's the messaging um, that you can think about? So I will uh, try and find that wherever I can and um, and send that along when I, when I can locate it. Uh, perfect. So Christian, looks like your question just came up to the top, which is um, around how do you present ROI during an EBR when there isn't a direct dollar amount tied to your value creation? So I think this actually ties in nicely with what we just talked about, trying to, trying to identify outcomes. So if you can't identify a direct correlation or direct outcome that you were able to achieve in terms of an ROI or a number, how are you tying that? Um, Christian, I don't know if you want to come off of mute and maybe give us more context or anything else that you wanted to add before we hop into um, hop into, into the group chat. 
Yeah, happily, Jeff. Um, so the previous company I was at, we could do a financial analysis and tie a direct ROI. Um, however, there's a company I interviewed with yesterday, and one of the issues they're struggling with is where the question came from. Um, they're an employee recognition company, and so there's not a direct tie-in. They increase employee engagement, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I'd love to hear what some of the uh, what some of the group has to say about that. Awesome. Um, so anybody who wants to make sure and raise your hand, um, come off of mute. But how are you presenting some of the, you know, the data that you're able to capture, the impact that you're having? So when you go into the, some of those QBR settings, um, you know, how are you kind of framing up what that looks like for your customers? Uh, Gabriel, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Sure. Um, Patricia beat me, beat me to it, so she can go first. She had her hand. Go for it, uh, Patricia. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so uh, I appreciate not everyone will have access to this, but we look at the platform. Uh, so when implementing the product, uh, we always try and understand what the use cases will be so that um, once uh, we start actioning uh, what is agreed at uh, stakeholder level, we start getting input from uh, from the end users, the good and the bad. So the minute, um, you know, we give about two, three weeks, and then as, as the tool starts being implemented and used, we are getting their feedback. And it might not be the return on investment, as in the, the, the dollar sign straight away, but just by improving um, processes, by getting happier, um, you know, uh, users, by getting people to say, oh, it used to be a nightmare to set up uh, an event, and now I can do that within 15 minutes, 20 minutes i'm getting the team to understand that running the education piece so by making sure they understand the product enough so they know how to interact with in the different uh, circumstances that they will have all of those things then translate in um first of all the product being used second um happier i'm going to say users so uh, that then naturally translates to, to our stakeholders and ultimately to the C-level because they will, they are the ones then coming to us saying, you know, I've heard this department and this department say that they are now using the tool and um, they've noticed uh, a shift in the way that things are done. So there is a positive impact that, you know, it would not have that um, the impact in numbers, let's say, but the overall experience uh, is, is being uh, reported and is good. Yeah. Um... I like some of those examples that you uh, just called out, Patricia. And it, so this is the slide I just found, and it reminded me of this as well, is um, I think making sure you understand kind of where you fit on this spectrum. So there's an order of benefits, right? Um, and believability is on the left-hand column. So uh, in theory, it becomes harder for us to tell a customer if we have a fourth order or very indirect ROI benefit, right? So we're increasing productivity. That's really hard for us to make our stakeholders believe. Um, and so how do you essentially understand where you are on this uh, type of benefit, essentially? Like which order of magnitude are you? Are you a first, are you a second, are you third, are you fourth? Um, trying to identify where your tool or your system, your service sits, um, I think has helped me try and uh, articulate how um, how we can then tell the story and shape the story for our executive stakeholders. So if this is beneficial, just drop a note in the chat and I'll try and send this out afterwards. But uh, we've got a whole deck around uh, this and a couple other things that we think about for kind of customer centric behaviors and other things. But this is something that just helped me um, start to process this. So I just wanted to share it. Um, but it looks like we have a ton of hands raised. Um, and I, Gabriel, I know you're next. I don't know how, how you uh, saw me, like, knew that who was first or not. So I think you're first if you're in the top left is now how it works. Uh, so go ahead. <laughs> So yeah, I, f I feel like the, the challenge is how do you find a quantifiable metric for qualitative outcomes? And so that's something that we have been ch challenged with and have had multiple meetings at our 
organization now for, for like over a month because we're a Medicaid benefit. So we get paid by DSS every month, the same amount, regardless of what we do. Um, there's some options to get paid more if we're like performing exceptionally, but having healthcare facilities use the platform that I want them to use doesn't actually have a direct ROI, financially speaking. So what I've been trying to do is see, okay, the qualitative value is there. I can see it. I need to find ways to quantify that. So one of the things that I put in the channel was, for example, we're seeing how that reduces call volume. If you have to spend less time on the, on the phone, that's, that can be an ROI. That can be X amount of minutes have been reduced on the phone and we got to find a way to track that. Um, the other thing is uh, we got to get make sure we get surveys out there with feedback because that feedback can be quantified. Even if it's still qualitative, you have, hey, feedback was this before and this is feedback is this now. So this is how you can see the value of the tool. And then specific to our industry, uh, like we, because we're a benefit, we have a, a line that's available for just complaints and grievances. So reduction in grievances, reduction in complaints, which does end up in also a reduction in the amount of workforce that we need because uh, if the com complaint volume is lower. So yeah, it, it's really getting creative for the specific company and industry that you're in and finding out everything qualitative or almost everything should have some way where you can tie it to a quantitative value. You might not, it might not be obvious, but there should be a way to weave that into it. And so it's exploring for that particular case, what that is. Yeah. Great examples. And I love um, how you actually tied that to things that you're doing right now, which I think is really, it helps me actually imagine how you do it. So I appreciate you on that. Um, Diana, looks like you're up next. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah. So to add to Gaudia's point, actually, um, I recently had a metric that was kind of like that, that it felt like there was no monetary value that we can uh, attach to it or like not monetary, but just a numerical value. Um, and it was like, if they set up an integration, then they can execute a task within their tool and not have to go to the, the other tool. And the way we were presenting it at first was like, you know, yes, it's increasing your efficiency, but then um, we ended up having a conversation with product that was along the lines of, you know, how, how long does this action actually take in this other tool? And then once we got that answer, we were able to tackle that onto the time saving. Um, so it's kind of like taking that next step further and asking more like prodding questions about what this invisible ROI might be that that way you can get some sort of um, value behind it or something like that. But I also think that there's there's also some that you just cannot get any sort of um, evidence behind. And with those, actually, something that you guys introduced was the success plan. So if you can outline what those outcomes are for the customer and agree with them um, together, then you don't have to like rely so much on pushing a numerical value. It's already agreed upon that this is their goal. And if you could just show that you're on the right track, then you don't really need to push so hard on, on the number end. Yeah. And I think it's really, uh, when you start doing this um, a lot, right? I think you start to realize also how convoluted the data starts to become in some of these equations and how, you know, that plays an impact in this. And so I liked um, what you just mentioned there too, Diana, with the fact of, you know, some things maybe don't have a direct ROI impact, but there's going to be some metric down the line that we can measure to. And ultimately it's going to like, there's going to have to be some jumps or, you know, jumps to conclusion that we make as we go up that ladder um, and making sure we can maybe at least just ahead of time, get that agreed upon while we maybe in the background, start working on uh, more of a direct analysis that we can put there. So um, I like it. Awesome, Stacy. looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, plus one on the joint success plan, uh, great idea. Uh, one of the things that, um, two things. One, um, my current company that we realized 
we're a cybersecurity company and our job is to have nothing for them, the customer to actually do. So yeah. that was challenging. So what we um, talked with our product team and marketing team with as exposing the work that, it, that we're doing behind the scenes. So we created a slide where it shows how much telemetry our engine is, is ingesting. And then you know, if they ended up with zero detections, that's okay because we've looked at all the all these millions and billions, in some cases, billions of of transactions. So that was one. The other thing we did at a different company um, where this was hard to to, to demonstrate was uh, from the actual users get those quotes and um, include those in the business review. So here are your users. Here are the things that your users are saying on a regular basis. It helped me do this. We were able to get this piece of marketing out uh, more quickly. That kind of thing. So I love that. If internal testimonials. That, yeah, if you can humanize that so much, I think it, it works, especially when you start tying a name and a face to it. Um, not that it's like a any consolation, but for our community, I noticed when you know we can post testimonials and I can tell people that you know we have 50 other CSMs on a call, There's it adds so much more weight than if I just say, hey, come join the CSM call that we have, or hey, come join this leadership call. They think I'm a crazy person. So I love the idea of you know humanizing that part as well. Um, awesome. Well, we've got five minutes left and um, instead of rather, you know, jerry rigging a final topic in here, uh, maybe what we'll do is just end early for the one, one time and we'll give you guys five minutes before your next meeting. I'm sure everyone's back to back Zoom meetings uh, that's happening. So maybe this five minutes gets let, you know, like go outside, you know, jump in the leaves for five minutes, come back in um, refreshed. But I uh, appreciate everyone spending time with us today. If you have any feedback at all, just shoot me an email. I tend to send out surveys, but uh, I've just found that direct feedback is a lot better. So uh, don't be shy. Send me an email. Uh, I've gotten a ton of feedback um, from a number of you. Uh, Pam Meisnick, um, I think, I'm trying to think who else is on this call. Gabriel's given us good feedback. He's part of uh, some things that we're doing. Nathan's given me good feedback. Um, so feel free to do that. Uh, tomorrow, we've got our office hours committee. If you'd like to join, shoot me an email. Um, also, if you want to join on the 29th, we're going to have a speaker about diversity and inclusion, uh, how you can start tying that into your teams and just as an individual contributor or a manager, that's going to be next Thursday on October 29th. Um, so we'd love to have you join James Parker. Um, and then as always, feel free to send out this office hours call, get people to join Ganger Rotain. Um, we're adding, I think, cl close to 50, 60 people a day into that community, which is awesome. Um, hopefully you guys are enjoying it. If there's any feedback about the community as well, we're always trying to adapt and change. There's going to be some new things you guys see come out this week. Uh, we're trying to move quickly. So um, as always, appreciate the time. Thanks for everyone joining. Appreciate the discussion. Hopefully you got to meet somebody new today and we'll see you back here next Tuesday. Uh, if I don't see you before then. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.